It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. With me in the KFG studios, certified financial planners and my friends and business partners at KFG, Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. You know, helping your kids or grandkids pay for college, helping them get through a college education is such a huge goal in life for many people. And whether you have kids in college right now or someday hope to, this is the show for you because we're going to help you figure out what is the action you should be taking at this moment today. Listen up. That's right. Several ways to stay in contact with the Wise Money Show, submit questions and the like. First of all, social media, just search the Wise Money Show wherever you do your social media in. YouTube's my favorite. I'd encourage you to search the Wise Money Show and you can subscribe to the YouTube channel and you can watch every episode right there. All the previous episodes are there as well. Like and subscribe. I'd encourage you to even turn on notifications. And listen, you like the show, like the content, give it a thumbs up as well. Um, you can submit questions, Wise wisemoneyradio.com and even find the latest blog at wisemoneyblog.com and uh, and lastly you can call or text 574-222-2000 submit questions that way for the program 574-222-2000 all right i'm going to say two words here and i know i know it is just going to flood you with emotion so i'd encourage you if you're if you're not driving if you are driving keep those eyes open but if you're not driving just close your eyes and just let your body react to the two words that i'm going to tell you College football. <laughs> college football. It's here. It's here, folks. It's right around the corner. College football is here again. You've been waiting all year. Guess what? Your team is perfect. They're un- Unless you're an Ohio State fan, they're terrible. <laughs> uh, but your team is perfect. They, they have all this potential. They haven't lost a game. They're undefeated. And there's nothing that will prevent them from being national champions. Now, I'm going to say a couple more words, and we'll see if those same emotions stay. Pain for college. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Pain for college. It's, uh, it's brutal. And, of course, it's all over the headlines. We're going to be talking more and more about pain for college and all the political turmoil and everything that's going on uh, fiscally with our country uh, surrounding this big goal. However, it is a big goal. And some of you I know are listening and you say, yeah, it's, my child just went off to school. What should I be doing? Or these are the things I'm doing. Is it the right stuff? And some of you are thinking, no, I've got youngsters like the Bernards, and they're not in school yet, but I hope to help them someday. What should I be doing? We're going to talk to both of you right now. Let's start with, all right, so you've got a student in college right now. Financially, what are the things you should be doing? Yeah. Well, hopefully, if you have a a child in college right now, long ago, at some point, you made a decision to have a plan in place and that this is not something that you're kind of doing by the seat of your pants. You you knew that this day was coming. You've been planning for it. You've been preparing. And now is the time to keep implementing. There's the next step in that plan. And if, uh, if it's the start of a freshman year, 
hopefully you've already done a little bit of work to begin repositioning the assets that you've been accumulating. Uh, if, if you have savings that have been building up in college funds or other vehicles of some sort, now's the time to get it into a liquid stage, um, some, some sort of uh, position where you can start writing checks because it's time. You may have already gotten the notices in the mail. These colleges, they want their money up front. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's it's not like you get to get to the end of the semester and decide whether or not it was worth it. Um, so it's time to start paying, which means you need to be thinking about time horizon. It is um, it, it's changing. You're getting closer to the point where um, you, you need to have positioned money where it is safe. No longer riding uh, on the roller coaster of the stock market if it's been in growth mode for a while. It's time to to have that money repositioned. I I thought you were saying two things there. That was one that I picked up. I'll I'll state it again. If you've got dollars invested for college and you've got a child in school right now, you should be shifting those to low risk to no risk. I mean, I I know. At least some of it. At least some of it. But that's the tricky thing about college compared to retirement. Your retirement's going to last decades. Mm -hmm. College hopefully will not last decades. Hopefully it's just a couple of years. And so your time horizon as you're drawing those dollars out is very short. I would have those funds invested uh, very, very conservatively. You have to keep in mind, though, also some people have been saving into one, one account, one investment vehicle for maybe multiple kids. And so, you know, several kids may not have exactly the same time horizon, although in the Gregory household, they basically all have the same time horizon. (laughs) They're all going to be in college together. Uh, But But, but that's another action item. If you've been doing that, that's what the Bernards have been doing as well. We use one 529 to save up. But as the kids get, as Carrington gets closer and closer to using that money, then it it might be time for you to split these these accounts, split the dollars up. Well, and and the Corhorn household has done that because the there are several different savings plans that we had and they were all with Joshua as the beneficiary well Joshua isn't going to college this fall because he's at Camp Casey South Korea so Caleb is and even though he has a scholarship there will still be some expenses that we're going to incur so we've positioned money to be in cash and it's tricky because if you do have Uh, several children, you could make the case that if the first one is going to college now and the last one is maybe four years younger, well, if the last one starts four years from now, they still have four years of college to go. So you could say, well, then there's an eight-year time horizon there. But I like the idea, especially after on the the heels of a 10-year bull market, I like the idea of uh, having a bird in the hand versus mm-hmm. two in the bush. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is this is a time to get in touch with your inner conservative side. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there a double a, meaning? Yeah, was that okay. a political statement? So there's no, <laughs> no. no. Usually that is a political statement. Well, from it, you. It, it could be interpreted that way, but I can tell you this: it, we. Um, we're spending about 18%. This administration is spending about 18% more than the last administration was spending. So we have uh, a spending problem, and I know that's not really on the agenda. But if you said, what was I? If what would I do if I had kids in college right now? Which is what I do. I'm looking at the spending problem, and no one seems to be willing to do anything about it. So here's what I have to do. I have to make sure my balance sheet 
is in order, and I need to be careful to not go all in with my chips on a short-term goal and jeopardize my long-term goal, mm-hmm. or jeopardize my balance sheet, because here's the deal. These chickens will come home to roost. This is a problem. What we're doing right now is problematic, and no one's talking about it. So I would encourage you to not be a victim, not show up. I don't know when uh, we're going to start paying for this. Is it five years? Is it five months? Is it 10 years? I don't know. But this is what you need to do personally is have your balance sheet cleaned up. And that includes when you look at your financial plan, making sure that the right amount of money is allocated towards the education plan and the right amount is allocated towards your other goals. We we quickly jumped into talking about risk within your 529 plan. And and you could get the impression, okay, well, now I've got a student in college. I should stop putting money in that 529. Right. That's one of the biggest mistakes that we see when it comes to college funding where you get to the edge of, of college, you think, well, what's done is done, and I, I'm not in saving mode anymore, and so the 529 plan kind of leaves your, your mind as an option. But in reality, if you live in Indiana, it is still a time to be funding a 529 plan. Even if you have a, a bill in hand, to uh, you know, tuition payments are due to the college, that money needs to make a stop into the 529 plan of Indiana, it's called College Choice Plan, on its way to the school because the act of making that deposit is what makes you eligible for some very important tax savings uh, when you file your returns in the spring. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, I would also encourage your student, um, you know, Kevin mentioned scholarship for, for his middle child, and I'd also encourage your student, it's not too late for them to be looking for scholarships and so on. That should be one of their jobs, one of their responsibilities. And I know college so much, you know, there's values involved in what role you want, you know, the kids to play and all that, but I, I'd encourage them to be looking to find as much scholarship as possible. There's a few other things that if you've got a child child in college right now, you need to be thinking about as maybe the parent or grandparent, but then a couple of things that they should be thinking about. And then where you're going to turn the, the discussion to, all right, what if college is still a long way off? What are some things you should be doing right now so that you show up at that time prepared? So that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. If you have a student in college right now, what are the things that you should be doing in your financial life? What are some of the things that you should be encouraging them to be doing in their financial life so that you make the most of this time? And as Kevin said, um, you don't sort of squander this and end up looking back and saying, well, I I don't know how we're going to deal with this. Um, So that's what we're talking about today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks so much for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host, one of the certified financial planners as well. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. want to say thank you to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene. Oh, sorry, South Bank Legal, formerly known as Ledoux, Kern, and Keene. It just rolls off the tongue there. As well as First State Bank for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you very much. If you have questions for the show or want to connect with the show in other ways, you can call or text 
in to 574-222-2000 and submit your question that way. 574-222-2000. The YouTube channel, of course, is up and running. If you're searching for it, just search Wise Money Show. You can submit questions there, comments. I'd encourage you to like and subscribe to it and sign up for notifications as well. And lastly, online, wisemoneyradio.com is how you find us there. Every episode's right there on the right. Some more information about us and the show, and then you can submit uh, a question there as well. Okay, we're talking about college. If you have a student in college right now, what are the things that you should be doing? We're about halfway through the list, guys. What else do you have? You know, um, I, I think it's important that uh, each parent encourage their kids to take advantage of their ability to work right now. Um, you know, not every college student approaches the college years the same way. Some, it's just, uh, you know, focus on the studies and don't be distracted with work or extracurricular activities, that sort of thing. For some, you know, their summer months are a time to recharge the batteries before going back to campus, that kind of thing. In fact, I, I just spoke with someone uh, the other day who had just returned from a European vacation with the family. And this guy had happened to have some kids in college and he said you know what we're already making plans to go back next year as well because this is the perfect time our our kids have their summers free still and um you, you know we got to take advantage of this and i i thought to myself wow you know, my approach uh, when I was in college was, no, your summers were not free. You were working your tail off because that's your time to really bank up the money it's going to uh, take to last through the, the rest of the, the year. The opposite of free. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. So, and, and, and this is this is a family values kind of a thing. And, and if they have the resources that a son or daughter maybe doesn't need to, to work full time during the school year, or not during the school year, but during the summer, or even part time during the school year, that's fine. But the reality is most people are not going to be able to fund college uh, just out of their own savings or out of their own cash flow. And the the child, the student, is going to play some sort of a role. And that role, in, in, in my opinion, need you need to consider um, having them work their way through school and contribute as they go, as opposed to just piling on the debt. If, if they can work hard and pay the tuition now, they don't have to work even harder in the future to pay the tuition plus all the interest. Working in college and in the summer, of course, but while I was at school, one of the best decisions I've ever made. And, and I actually approached it from, uh, from two angles. One is I wanted independence, and that wasn't a conversation we had together with my parents. I just wanted to pick my own place to live and wanted to buy my own clothes. And so if I'm picking that stuff, then it's my money. So I just never talked about it. I just started working. But that's one. But the second is it's about education. You're there in college to learn. Well... I wanted to learn what it was like to have a job and have all other priorities and learn time management and other things. And um, so what I learned by working at college is almost, I mean, it's invaluable, I was going to say. It's certainly far more than what I got in an actual paycheck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, tangent alert, The by working during college, by working during high school and during college, you... Acquire certain skills yeah. that allow you to make more than just minimum wage. So, and I may have shared this story before, but I had a, a former soccer player write me a note and say, hey, thanks for everything and thanks for the 
boring scanning job you gave me. <laughs> and, you know, you're welcome, Cameron, but here's the deal. <laughs> that boring scanning job makes you a $10 an hour guy instead of an $8 an hour guy now. So just having that job and working in college, I mean, 11% of the population had their first job at McDonald's. So McDonald's does an amazing job of getting people prepared to take the next step. McDonald's is an entry-level job, so, of course, it makes sense that it would be you might make minimum wage if you went to work at McDonald's. You know who does even better than McDonald's is Chick-fil-A. Have you been in there and the, everybody who works there is just well-trained, courteous, and I, I don't know, they, they transform people into the most amazing workers. Maybe we need to do all our recruiting from Chick-fil-A. I, I don't know. Maybe they just hire the most amazing. So maybe. It, no, I don't no, no. know. I, I, I would agree with you totally um, that Chick-fil-A does But I can tell you this because we do the hiring around here, that if if when we get a resume from a college student who's graduating and has never had real work experience, it it's a hesitant. It's a big it, hesitant. It, yeah. it, a huge hesitation. So the the last the last item that I had was, um, what are your kids learning? And and so if you have a child in college right now, I would I'd encourage you to just talk to them about what are the things about life that they're learning. Just a couple episodes ago, I'm, my goodness, I've got amnesia. I, I I can't remember when we were ta- how recently we were talking about financial skills and what colleges, high schools and colleges are not teaching. Right now, if your son or daughter is not taking a personal finance course, but they're really good at Fortnite, I'd encourage them to to get online (laughs) and start learning about personal finance or start picking up some other skills. Because when you get out into the real world, the real world just kind of expects you to have these skills. And if you don't, you're going to wind up possibly making some mistakes. So I'd encourage, what what are you learning? And of course, our bent is personal finance, but what else about life are you learning? It's possible, though, that, you know, many parents out there actually protect their kids kids from having to learn those lessons because, you know, they, they don't expect them to work and manage their own finances. They don't expect them to pay for sometimes any of their financial life. If you've never had a bill, you've never had to, you know, save up for things because it was all done for you, um, you may be protecting them from actually getting those valuable life skills and maybe making the mistakes in their financial life while you're still there to help support them and process through their decision making. I, I agree with you completely. I agree with you, Mike. The, it's interesting to find out from your student what they're learning because there are some educational institutions that train your children to think and some other ones that try to train them what to think. Mm-hmm. And so you need to make sure that you are dialed into that because if your children are being indoctrinated, you need to know. Yeah. And one of the things, here's the thing, the, the real world doesn't care if your child is prepared or not financially. The, real, they're, they're, the system is set up to um, basically get its hooks into someone who doesn't know about things financially and suck them in. And it's very difficult to get out of that mode once you're into it. Yeah. So this is why your your very first steps need to be uh, 
as a result of kind of your identity and who you see yourself as and what are your habits. Because the right habits, because again, if you spend less than you make and save the difference and you do that your whole life, you it's almost impossible to have money problems. Mm. So if I were going to give you, uh, if I was going to rattle off my list, we, some of these we already said, you know, fund your 529, uh, make sure that you as the family have a, a budget, make sure your student has a budget, make sure your student has a job. And you need to keep saving monthly. Don't stop your monthly savings just because your kid goes to college. Um, you need to understand your college costs. It's inc- I can tell you, it's incredibly confusing. Mm-hmm. And then make sure your child knows what contribution they're on the hook for. And you need to understand financial aid and what moves you can make personally in your own financial life what levers you can move to put yourself in a better position uh, from a financial aid perspective. And um, and make sure your protection planning is up to date. Make sure your life insurance policy is where it needs to be. Because if this is an unfunded goal and something were to happen to you, uh, you want it taken care of. All right. Mm-hmm. If you've got a kiddo that's not quite in school yet, but you're wanting to help with their education, what things should you be doing right now we've got that and more coming up here on wise money with corhorn financial group this is wise money with corhorn financial group Helping your kids or grandkids uh, with funding or paying for college, that is one of the big goals of life. That's one of the great goals of life. As we've worked with folks, uh, that often is uh, comes to mind when you talk about legacy with what you've we've done and saved up money. What, what's the real purpose of it? Well, I, I want it to really impact my family's financial tree, my family tree forever. And f- helping with education can be legacy stuff. So we're gonna be talking about the things that you should be doing right now if you wanna help a child or grand college pay for college out there in the future. So thanks for being with us. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike here with Josh and Kevin. Thank you to, hey, talking about college, Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies about to start the first year under the name BU. I think they're the only school that, no, I'm sorry, (laughs) Bethel Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and her Inspired Homes team. Diane's going to be on the show giving us a a housing market update here shortly, so we're excited about that. If you have any questions for the show, you can reach out to us a few different ways online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit a question there. Call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. And then all over social media, wherever you do your social media in, just search Wise Money Show and submit questions that way. Follow the content that we push out there, all that sort of stuff. All right. If you've got education as one of your financial goals, education planning, helping the kids or grandkids with college, but they're not in college yet. And maybe they're, you know, Kevin's youngest is a couple years away from college. My youngest is... 17 years away from college. So somewhere in that range, what should you be 
thinking about what should you be doing in your financial life? You know, I, I might back up just a moment because you said if you have this as a goal. Well, the process of setting it as a goal is part of the financial planning process. You know, saving for college or retirement or other long-term goals is something that uh, financial planning is all geared towards uh, not only defining and prioritizing, but then figuring out how you're going to fund it. And this is all a, a question of where does it fall on your list of values. It's important for you to know where does the college goal fall in your list of priorities, essentially, so that you're not tempted to fund this before something that's actually more important to you. There are some uh, families out there that would say, you know what, I, I really need to be on pace for my retirement goal before I fund college. And yet college is going to happen sooner on the time horizon uh, than, than what retirement will be. So it's, it's very possible that you start pulling money into a, uh, a sooner goal as opposed to a more important goal. Or, or stop saving for a more important goal to pay for this goal because it just simply comes sooner chronologically. That's right. You know, part of the financial planning process, when we, when we talk about setting goals and priorities and everything, this if you're married, uh, this is maybe the most important uh, step because it's where you get on the same page with your spouse. You may have had a totally different college experience than your spouse, and it may have flavored your vision for your own kids' college as well. And so there needs to be some sort of an assimilation or a synthesis. A synth, what would that word be? Synthesis. There you go. Thank you. Uh, you know, so, some sort of merging of your priorities with your with your spouse, so that you both have the same vision and you have the same uh, amount of energy to put towards this goal. Once you have that clarity, and we've talked about about it before, some of you say, "I want to, I want to help. I don't want to help." Well, you, you got to figure that out. Once you have that clarity, then is it? Are you funding a percentage of college? Or are you funding an exact dollar amount where you say, hey, you know what? We want to give each of the kids 25 grand to be able to use for college, and they can use that. It can go a long way if they're going to community college. It can go, it can not go very far if they're going to Notre Dame or anything in between. But we want to save up a set amount. Or we want to fund 50% of a state school or 100% of their college, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But once you have that clarity, you then work with your certified financial planner to say, here's that goal, whether it's 100%, 50%, or a certain dollar amount, and your financial certified financial planner does the geeky stuff to say, all right, here's how you break that down. This is what you need to be doing. Yeah, what amount of savings do you need to be uh, doing? How are you going to invest it? There are others, though, that have a budget in mind, and they know, here's what I can afford to save. Right. You know, maybe I have $250 a month that I can start uh, setting aside into some sort of investment account. And whatever it grows to, it grows to. And that's the contribution that we're going to be able to make. And um, so, so it's it's basically, are you defining what your contribution is going to be? Or are you defining what the end result is? is hopefully going to be, and you'll do whatever it takes to get there. I, so this isn't tangent. This is like a going deeper warning. So not tangent alert, but if I could go a little bit deeper, I've had I've had conversations with folks where at the stage of life where they want to start saving for college, they start it by, well, this is really all we can afford right now. So we're going to be setting this much aside. And then that happens for several years. And then we get really close to college and it's okay. Well, you've been able to save this much. And they say, well, that's not going to get us very far. 
And it turns out the actual goal was still to pay 100% of college or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just the reality was we were only to save, able to save this. So they sort of mixed those mm-hmm. two um, roles up. And it creates a lot of strife out there in the future because then you're trying to scramble and say, well, then, yeah, we need to take, you know, retirement needs to take a back seat or we're going to take out a home equity line in the house or I guess we're going to we're going to take out loans um, because we were only able to save up a certain amount. And boy, getting that clarity on the front end is crucial. And I would I would give if you're in the situation that Mike talked about, I give you the benefit of the doubt. It is very confusing. And I've worked with those same folks that say, hey, we're only going to pay half. We paid for our own college or we paid for a good portion. So we're only going to pay half. And then as the kids get there, you decide, no, we really do want to pay for all of it. And so that it is it's very, very, very difficult to get a husband, a wife and a student on the same page which is one of the reasons why it can be so beneficial to work with a financial planner because a certified financial planner can, and again, think if you're working with a planner, you want them to be certified, not not someone that just sells you investments, but someone that addresses the six key areas of financial planning because then they know what levers can be pulled and how those levers affect the rest of your financial life. And they should be able to coach you through the trade-offs. If we do this, it means instead of retiring at 62, we have to work until we're 66. And that's actually an easy uh, kind of mortgage of my future decision to make in the heat of the moment when I feel like I don't have another choice and I'm lacking creativity, but that might be the worst possible choice. So this is why you want to be working closely with your certified financial planner. Yeah. I mean, what you're describing is a process of getting truly honest about the reality. If you continue down the path, you're either not going to have the money saved up for that, that college goal, or if you choose to charge for anyway, forward anyway, uh, what are the consequences? What are the the trade-offs, as you said? That's what financial planning is all about. It's getting honest about your financial reality. So then that last step here is, Kevin already laid it out, but once that child is old enough to understand, we passionately believe you need to communicate with them and get on the same page with them to say, here's what mom and dad's role is. Here's what your role is. And that role could just be, we have agreed to pay for your college. So your role is to learn as much as possible and and gain the skills and whatever else. But I would would have that. We, We strongly encourage you to have that conversation so everyone knows what the expectations are going in and what each person's role is. So from there, once you know um, what the plan is, working with your certified financial planner, um, we've this is sort of already tucked in there, but it's also at this stage that you're looking at, well, we're funding X amount into the 529 plan each year. We're funding X amount into the Roth IRA. For some people, this plan is I'm saving a certain amount for college, but then my plan is also to free up cash flow. So I've got a 10-year plan to get the mortgage paid off or to get this debt paid off or to reach this other milestone. So I've got free cash flow. So those are some of the other things that you need to be thinking about if you want to help with 
this education goal and your child is still a few years off from from college so um, the critical point there, though, working with your certified financial planner who's helping you in all six areas uh, assess where does this fit and what are the resources. So, all right, we've got a few great questions coming up from fans of the show. Brent asked, how do you know if you're self-insured with long-term care? I get this question all the time. That and more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. How do you know if you're self-insured when it comes to long-term care insurance? I don't know. It must just be me, but I'm getting this question. I'm having this conversation a lot with folks. So we're going to be talking about it here in just a second. Thanks for being with us. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard here with me in the KFG studios with Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. If you've missed anything, I'd encourage you, uh, you can catch up on previous episodes, this episode, um, in a few different ways. First, the podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, just search Wise Money Show. We'd encourage you to subscribe to it, rate the show. That helps other people find us, find uh, content about wise financial principles. So, And then right there, you can share it. You can leave comments, all that. Uh, second place, the YouTube channel. It just search Wise Money Show when you're on YouTube. I'd encourage you to like and subscribe it. Sign up for notifications so that you're made aware any time we drop new content there. And then also, give us a fa- do, do us a favor. If you like the content, like the show, then give it a thumbs up and, and share it, if you will. Again, that helps other people find the program as they're looking for content about wise financial principles. And then lastly, on the website, wisemoneyradio.com, we've got a streamer, uh, an online player right there. You can catch up on this episode and any others right there. Even submit a question right there on the right if you'd like us uh, if you'd like us to answer it. Speaking of, we're transitioning from things that you need to be focused on. If education planning is a goal, we're now into questions from fans of the show. Brent is 61 from Granger with the first question. Here's what he said. How do you know if you're self-insured for long-term care insurance for the long-term care risk? What factors do you need to consider? Great question, Brent. Yeah, it, it really is. I there's a lot of ways to to approach this, but um, you know, anytime you're talking about being self-insured, you're kind of implying is there a threshold of either assets or income that don't necessarily make you bulletproof. I don't think anybody who considers themselves to be self-insured believe that they can withstand every financial catastrophe out there, right? Because um, we don't know how how long would you need long-term care. Uh, you know, I had an aunt who got MS at a young age and lived in a nurse skilled nursing care for I, I think it was 17 years. 17. 17 years. Now, that's an outlier. I mean, most people who need long-term care don't need it for decades or, or that many years necessarily. But 
it it doesn't even have to be that long for it to be financially catastrophic for some families because they would burn through their assets too quickly. They don't have enough income to be able to cover this monster jump in in uh, expenses each month. Consider this though. A I, I was just looking up uh, the latest averages here in Indiana for a skilled nursing uh, facility. If you had a private room, it's on average uh, about two hundred over two hundred dollars per day. So think six over six thousand dollars per month. Now that's just an average. I I've heard numbers far higher than that. Yeah. Um, you know, most families, if they're going to make a decision like a a skilled nursing facility, they're shopping around and trying to pick a good one, right? Yeah. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services says the average tab for long-term care is 138,000. Yeah. So you're somewhere between that 72 and 140,000 dollars a year, depending on what level of care you're mm-hmm. you need. Yep, I, I often tell people plan on ninety thousand dollars per year. That's not out of the question, and you can do the math. You could say, well, boy, how long would it take me to burn through the assets that I've built up for my retirement, or for uh, maybe there's an inheritance that you want to leave behind? And so, to me, it's not just the assets, though. It's also the income stream that you have coming in. There are some folks who have fantastic pensions, or they have great income from certain income-producing properties, that sort of thing. And they may be in a position where they could handle that type of an expense. But those folks, um, that that doesn't seem to be the average uh, family out there, right? Right. Which is why it is so important at an early age. You know, Brent, you're 61 years old. this is a time where you would not want to delay looking into um, whether or not long-term care insurance, some sort of formal policy, formal protection may make sense for you. Um, and just consider the cost versus the, the, the benefits there. Um, that's the advice I would give you. Yeah, I think the the... This is this is a great question, and you need to be considering this. This is a perfect. When you look at the six areas of financial planning, this is a perfect protection planning question because it's you would say it's a protection planning question, but it really affects all of the areas of your financial life and your yep. financial plan. And what I would encourage you to do, Brent, is just to have a plan because at sixty-one, there are things that you can do. If you hit if you hit sixty-five, there's a fifty. chance that in the next two decades you're going to need some sort of long-term care services and support at some point. So, um, because you can expect to live another two decades. And so the question is, if you were if you hit 65 and you're going to live another two decades, what would you do today to prepare for that possibility? Because if it costs somewhere between 72 and 140 today, it will cost at least twice that 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. So how would you prepare? And I like what Joshua is saying. It's a risk management decision. How do I manage the risk? And we've seen all kinds of interesting things. Uh, one thing that there are lots of and there are lots of creative things that you could consider. One thing is, hey, if they if you are close 
family-wise, um, when you when you downsize this house, maybe what you might want to do is get that mother-in-law suite put on to uh, your favorite child's uh, house or whoever that child is that might be taking care of you. But, but Did you say least favorite? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, they might feel like it. But you, but you would – so you say, hey, what living arrangement could I come up with that would make it – make long term a long term care stay um the not necessary for as long as possible and then i i say well, there's another thing it is going to be uh incredibly expensive maybe what you want to do is just cover the first year or two years you can get a you can get a policy that will do that and so you look and you say hey i'm going to this is a risk transfer do i live at the risk or transfer the risk maybe i'm only going to transfer part of the risk cuz the possibility is you you die reading the newspaper in your favorite chair or you go to sleep and you don't wake up again so you don't you never need long term care mm-hmm. so maybe you say hey i'm going to transfer part of the risk um and i would but another big deal if you're going to do any kind of planning when the time comes because again this is another area that people are hesitant to take action and do planning for today but when the time comes they're like oh we need to do all this planning yeah. Well, I can tell you this. It'll be incredibly difficult to do planning if all of your assets are tax protected or basically if all your assets are in an IRA, the planning piece becomes incredibly expensive. Or if all of your assets are in a big chunk of farmland, the planning um, becomes very interesting. So I would encourage you at 61, I'm assuming you're still working, Brent, I would encourage you to get some sort of tax diversification in the investment pools that you have and making sure you're getting some sort of balance there. I'm tempted, you know, to answer the direct question and say, well, it's a couple million or, you know, something in asset or or liquid assets that would make you self-insured, but you just can't. There's no perfect Mm -hmm. formula. And and it relates to your specific situation. Mm -hmm. Let me throw one... One other, so you need to have this conversation with your comprehensive financial planner as you look at all six areas of your financial life. You do. We're, you know, if you're listening and saying, "Well, these guys are one-trick ponies," they just keep saying all the reasons <laughs> you, you need to have the the insurance. No, it is truly about risk management. And for some people, we've had a great thorough conversation, and they've said, "Yeah, I don't think I'm going to get it." And it's like, "Yeah, okay, that sounds good." Um, but you need to have that discussion. But here's the other fly in the ointment that I would throw in. If you don't have the insurance, are you actually willing to spend through or spend some of your assets for this care? I've seen it in my own personal life. You tend not to. You tend to shortcut the care because the cost is so rich when you're paying out of pocket. And so some people who might be considered self-insured still get the insurance because, listen, when I need care, I want to have something there to help me get the care that I know I will need. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, great question, Brent. It's not going to be the last time we talk about it. So hopefully that was helpful to you. Uh, all right. That is all the time we have for today. And thanks so much for, for listening. On behalf of Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, we'll see you next Saturday. Have a great weekend. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. 
Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.